language, but then it shifts into at some point getting to a standard playbook, not just language, but sort of sets tools and stuff. But then eventually you want to get to the point where through culture and tools and everything else, it can be atomized and all of a sudden it's being enabled at, at the front and people are doing it and they're guided by strategy and understanding who we are, what we do and why we do, and they can make more distributed decisions. You know, there's sort of this, I'm working on this in my head, but the way you were talking about it made me think about that, May. Welcome to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. And Steve, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I know we're, we try to stay time agnostic. But agnostic, we're, better word. We're, because we're trying to, like, people could listen to these anytime. But when you're doing one that's called 2022 Product Management Resolutions, as I have on my screen, it's sort of, we need to do that. So it is good to be back uh, with, our, with our posse, with our group, uh, to start our new year of 2022. Uh, doing our product management resolutions. We didn't do this last year. Maybe we should have. If I have any memory, I think a year from now, we may do a 2023 one and maybe make it an annual type thing. And then we can look back and that type of stuff. But for now, we've got a great group of people. We've got our longtime partners, Paul Hurwitz, May Wong, and Glenn Pride. And to kick off the new year, we got two new ones coming in to help us go, Chris Meadows and Joe Kristoff. So glad to have you guys on board and you guys ready to go? All right. Well, on Monday, on the 3rd, I put a, the question in. Uh, to ease topic of the week back after the holiday break, what is or are your product management resolutions for 2022? And you know what? We had a lot of really good people coming through. Steve, you didn't give me a resolution though. Uh, no, I did not. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be semi-retired, but uh, you, you keep pulling me into, you know, work. Well, yeah, but it's fun work. It is fun work. So um, um, I hate to say it, but I actually have to jump off because I'm being called to the fire station for a call. All right, so I gotta go. Go, go, go do that, Paul. That's important. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. That's our first resolution. Take care of the community around us before we take care of ourselves. So Paul's going to go do that. And we're going to get into it. Steve, you were going to say. Well, now I forgot what I was going to say. So we'll just have to edit this whole section out. Uh, Steve, you know we never edit, edit any of it out. It's all part of the character that is topic of the week conversations. So I, I guess we'll get started. You know, Marco Tillman was the first to respond. You know, having a guy in Germany, he's already well into his day when he does it. So it's good to have Marco coming in. He said he wants to find focus and help his organization understand the need and how to implement PM product management process. Mm. Uh, and, you know, for a community like this, I thought that was a pretty good uh, resolution to have. Uh, Nils Davis, work up more on market discovery, discovery to find new customers. 
as a senior PM in a big, relatively young organization, share some knowledge and approaches and deliver consistently in value on his podcast. Nils Davis, you've been on his podcast, right, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Uh, He's got a, a very good book called Product Management Secrets. Product Management Secrets. So we're doing a little promo for Nils. He's a good community member. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of good answers. It took a while for some of our regulars to get in with answers. Uh, May, you finally came in and said, you want to create a product team culture where people are happy to work here and your PMs are doing the most important work they could be doing with minimal distractions that often hit PMs. Uh, it's a lot easier when you're starting from scratch. My first question in my head was, are you starting from scratch? Don't, I mean, wasn't there an existing team? Well, we actually um, sat down as a team. So every- fired everybody? No, no. Oh, okay. Every Monday we, we um, get together and have kind of like a, a little, just a team discussion about whatever it is that we need to talk about. Um, and one thing that we talked about was how far we've come as a product team. So when COVID hit, we were in the food industries or food services industry. So when COVID hit, there was a massive round of layoffs. Right. So we were down to very few PMs and then one by one, they dropped off because, you know, whenever you have resource actions, you lose people. Um, yeah. We had brought in our current uh, now VP of product um, as the very first product leader ever in this organization in October of the previous uh, 2020. Um, I get that messed up too. How many times <laughs> I said last year when I met 2020? It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. October of 2020, we brought in a product leader. In January 2021, we had two people on the product team, which was this product leader and one other PM. Today, we have 11 people on the product team. Wow. So That's a quick scale. We have come a very long way from there. Um, I, I joined this company six months ago, and we've come a long way just in terms of our products overall. Mm -hmm. um, and I think because we're basically starting from scratch, you know, like we introduced our very first roadmap ever um, in Q4 last year. And it's, it, it, there's so many opportunities because like there is everything's just chaos and any literally anything you do reduces the chaos yeah um, so it's it's very exciting to kind of come into this and see what's going on and but also be able to look back and like you know you've been here for a couple of months and you already see a lot of improvements right like not just from your team but across all the other teams because everyone else is doing the same thing to um, build up this organization so yeah, like, and, and really what motivates me as a person to work is that I want my work to have meaning and we spend so much time of our lives working, um, like a quarter of your adult life is spent at work if you work eight hour days, um, inc that's including sleep, by the way, then you should, like, you should enjoy what you're doing. Really. Well, there's no question, but I think that's one of the things as I've gotten older in my career, you know, and especially as a gun more independent, part of it is I don't want to work with assholes. Can I say that on the show, Steve? <laughs> You're on mute, Steve. Probably. Yeah, you'll have to mark it as, you know, language. Adult content in this thing. But I, I don't want to. And, and, and May, the fact that 
I don't, how, how often do you get to sort of start over uh, with the team uh, and build it, rebuild it? I, I, I've mentioned before that my son is in the marching band and he keeps sharing this, the Hebron marching band. I don't know where they're from, but they're like amazing. They just won the nationals and stuff like that. And about 10 years ago, or a few years ago, they actually did the same thing. They fired everybody. They got, they stopped the band and rebuilt it. And now they're the best out there because sometimes you can do that. So we're also, it's awesome to see what you guys are doing in, in, in this unique situation because of the pandemic that you're able to do that. We've actually got a client who's restarting their product marketing organization a similar way because yeah. you know, they had done some riffs and then attrition happened because people are like, I don't know what's going on here. And they have to, had to start over. So it, it sort of allows you to take a, you know, scope and, of what's going on. And I think it's important to put that into the context of we're starting over in a 400 person organization. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're not a startup. You're you're um, it, it, well, 400 person organization inside of a multi billion dollar megacorp, right? Yeah. So it, 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 that'll be fun to watch, and in, in, in however we can help you, that you'll be great. Uh, Joe Kristoff actually came in. He said, "I want to improve my self discipline when it comes to product management activities and take your skills to the next level." I'm going to just use that first one, Joe. Talk to me about self discipline and 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 what you're looking for with that. Yeah, so what I mean by that, it's kind of explained a little bit in the second paragraph, but you know, well, I was just instead of me reading it, I was gonna let yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, my organization is going through um, a digital transformation. I always like to say, you know, put it in quotes, right? Because I think well, you need to with a digital transformation because it is that type of. It's like we're actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's exactly one of those. Um, and so because of that, this. Um, you know, the, the organization went out and hired a bunch of people and, you know, that were product managers and then trying to combine that with internal folks and trying to teach them product management. Um, and so at the end of the day, you have a, this fairly large organization that doesn't know what good product management looks like or even what product management is. Um, and so when I say self-discipline, I know that when I'm going through my activities as a product manager, um, because folks don't know what they should be looking for, what they should be expecting at product managers. It's just easy to cut corners. Um, so what I mean by that is like, if we're doing user research, maybe we won't draft up a whole UX plan and, you know, maybe communicate it as fully to stakeholders. And, and instead we'll kind of shoot from the hip or cowboy it a little bit um, because we know that we don't have to, because nobody really knows what we should be doing anyway. So we kind of trade off a lot of the, like I said, they're crossing T's and dotting I's um, in the sake or in the name of speed. Um, and I think that's, you know, fine, <laughs> maybe every once in a while, um, right. You want to do bureaucracy for bureaucracy's sake. But, um, like I said, I think sometimes, and what I've kind of realized is that those short-term gains and speed are maybe coming at a cost to the long-term benefits for the organization, um, or even myself when it comes to how do you do really solid, good product management. So one of the things I like to do is, is not fall into that trap. And even if nobody else is kind of expecting or knows what to expect from product management to kind of myself say, now nah, this is what we should do because that's how you do product management well, so. No, I love that. I know, first things first, you guys aren't alone, right? There, you know, I'd, I'd say more companies that we see and talk to, I, I just had two sessions this week with a client where it's like, yeah, we sort of just shoot from the hip. We really don't have a documented process. We're pretty good at it. And, but yeah. it's like, you know, that's not how you build, especially as you're growing and scaling, how you build success and repeatable success. So I, that's awesome, Joe. Uh, 
May, you actually commented you guys are going through some of those same things. Any insight you want to share on here for our audience as well as Joe? Um, Besides getting rid of everybody and starting over. Yeah. We, we didn't actually get rid of it. Like people, people left, right? Yeah, um, I understand. It was, it was the, the, the nature of the situation and also COVID and food industry. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, I, I think, I think when we do something, when a te the teams that are really close to us, primarily design and, and dev, but also literally any other team in the organization, when they go through a transformation, it affects us whether yeah. we like it or not, right? Because like product is kind of at the center of things, whether or not people believe us. Um, <laughs> and it, it's it's important for us to say like, this is how we do product right. You know, yeah. if you if you as a t you and your team, if you strongly believe that this is the right way to do things, I don't think we should compromise on that, right? Like there are other things we can compromise on, on like, you know, delivery timelines or like the scope of the thing to be delivered. But um, what we need to do product properly is something that we absolutely should not compromise on, I think. I agree. I, I'll say, Steve, this reminds me of a, uh client you worked with a couple of years ago who said to you, and I'm going to paraphrase, you can go deeper on this. You know, we've realized we're getting pretty good at delivering on what's in the pipeline, what's in the backlog in the queue. We're, we're building stuff faster and better, but what we're finding out is we're building the wrong things faster and better. Right. And, you know, that's pretty much the whole story. I mean, my, the slide I use in our training class is the Swiss army knife, you know, it's like, yeah, you can do it, but maybe you shouldn't because, you know, it doesn't really serve any purpose well. Uh, but yeah, that was certainly their experience is they felt like they had adopt, they've done a digital transformation to, to um, put it in air quotes like Joe did, uh, which really meant development learned how to do agile and nobody else learned anything. Right. I mean, the executive team was still saying, where's where's your, you know, where's your two year roadmap or delivery schedule. Uh, but it was in once they realized that they were really had mastered development, that they realized that they were building the wrong things, as as you said, faster than ever. Yeah. Well, and, and that's part of the I think that's a good resolution to start getting to, you know, how do we make sure improving yourself, but as, as a, and that helping improve the digital transformation to make sure. The, the, you're finding good product management and hopefully right. we can in the community help you find that as well yeah. and it's so difficult and that's why these conversations are so helpful the things that go under the name product management nowadays is pretty astounding it's it's like an entire industry exists uh, an entire industry role exists for which there's no clear definition you know and and so we spend a lot of time with teams talking about, you know, what is this thing and what is not this thing. And one of our clients recently had all their quote product managers in a room. And we talked about the strategic role of product management, the focus on finding problems, meaningful problems to solve. And, and half the people in the room said, Oh, shoot, I don't want to do that. I want to be a designer, I want to create products. And I'm like, great. You're going to have to transfer and there's plenty of room on this bus there's seats for everybody but guess what uh what you think of what, what the title you got doesn't go with the work that, you, that you're you're doing 
exactly, Steve. In sorry, in, that was a rant. I apologize, and I do need to know my rant button. I was going to say the only apology is you didn't use your rant button. Glenn <laughs> Pride, Glenn Pride, you want to elevate your communication to leadership and not get caught in the weeds. Uh, and Dave Jones said recommended Toastmasters as a way. Talk to me about why you think that's what you need to do. Why is that your resolution? I lose my audience very quickly. Okay. I can, I, uh, I've spent a lot of my times picking through individual kernels of corn, looking for the ideal kernel mm -hmm. and, uh, you get lost in that. And then trying to talk to leaders. So here's an example. I have the title of operations and analytics. Um, and Right now, there is data, data everywhere, but, but not, not a drop. drop. Drink. Yeah. So um, I'm starting down that path of how to convince these silos that there's good in having transparency about things. Um, and why I excel at Toastmasters. In fact, I've got ribbons back there that, <laughs> that, you know, impromptu speaking, I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm the master of it. It's the art of convincing people that I think that I need to look for and be transformative this year. Persuasive speaking. I, persuasive speaking and how to influence people to see things in a different way um, rather than be scared to share data, realizing that hopefully the organization that if we see things that are not working, the organization doesn't punish people for that, but rather we focus on it as an organization and, and get it to where it needs to be. Uh, and back to our product management war stories and our bad product management topics, a lot of that comes from leadership. You can only do so much in that culture of, of people embracing transparency and data to help make decisions. But it sounds like you're in a great place to be. I, the one piece of advice I remember getting early in my career that really resonated, and I still have, Steve still sort of talks to me about something more in my writing than in my talking is, I don't have to prove to everybody every time out how smart I am. And sometimes talking less and more focused on the exact point than trying to talk all the time and prove my, my intelligence. <clears throat> that was a, a trick for, not a trick, that was a skill I learned that really helped ramp. That's when I sort of saw the trajectory happen and where I started going up where I didn't have to, you know, my imposter syndrome stopped being my issue because sometimes that was what got in my way. I still my writing, Steve. Yes, still my writing. I write too much, uh, but well, I think I think Grant and I between us are a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to write now in copy, you know, in fragments. You know, it's really important. Period, for you to do the other thing. Period. You know, and Grant has like three paragraph long sentences. <laughs> I'm trying to get better. Actually, I'm starting to write my Drucker on product tweets. And when you write in tweet format, it forces you to be more concise. Indeed. So, I don't know if that, any of that helps you. Nah, I think just use John, a bunch of hashtags. I think, John, you're, uh, uh, I think you're, it's, it's 
I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of posts on LinkedIn these days are like one line, one line, one line, one line, and it's so it's so painful to read. Yeah, but that that's a that's a thought leader design thing that they've decided that gets you to go be beyond be the phone to click on it to go longer. Yeah, it's 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 a device in my mind. Yeah. But I, I've seen those too, and it's like a phrase, and then a blank line, and then another phrase. And after the second of those, I go, okay, I'm out of here. You know, yeah. I, I expect to read a sentence that has a subject and a verb. <laughs> Maybe even an object. Yeah, yes. could be. <laughs> I, so, an adjective so, or two. So I'm going to throw that out there for my one of my resolutions this year, Steve. And I'm going to get back to you once we get to Chris. My, one of my resolutions is going to be writing more because uh, I have so much stuff in here that I don't put down. And, you know, I think this Drucker on product stuff that I'm doing, it's going to force me to do that because I'm taking one Drucker quote at a time. I mean, talk about my like, ah, my, my, you know, I'm in heaven. Uh, it, it, it's like, take that stuff and explain my take on it. And so it's forcing me to write. <clears throat> and I think that's one of the biggest things for me is just to write and write more. And it's going to get me better at writing, but it's also going to help me share what's in my head. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Stephen King would say that, first of all, good writers read, which I know yes. you do. And the second thing is good writers write. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think there are a lot of people who say, I, I think I want to start a blog. And you're like, I think you need to write 10 articles before you're ready to start a blog. Well, and I think part of it, is how many people start a blog and never get past 10? Exactly. <clears throat> right. And, you know, for me, it's going to be a, you know, everybody knows I'm a, uh, a Ted Lasso fan. We got my Believe thing up here. But there was one episode of the first season where Nate was telling uh, Roy Kent, you know, you used to play with fire, you used to with anger, you used to have anger, but that anger is just in there. And I'm afraid what's going to happen to you if you don't let it out. And I've got all this stuff in here that if I don't let it out, I mire myself in overanalyzing it. So that's going to, be, I'm going to use that as my one, what my lead is to write more and get better at writing. Chris, you've, you've been sitting here patiently, listening to everybody else's. You, I, I hope you have one, you know, banger of a resolution for us. Yeah, I appreciate following along and getting, um, assimilating into the group. I did comment on Dave Jones, and that Dave's not here yep. with us. Uh, and he talked about some proactive uh, product management process and bringing in, instead of an after action review, bringing in a pre-mortem, post-mortem. Yes, yes, I love I love that one. Yeah, so that's great. I love, I mean, planning ahead is, is generally a good thing, so that's great. Um, and do you mention tools on this, or do we keep names of tools? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so Confluence is a really great, page template for pre-mortems. And in particular on that template, there's a glass half full, glass half empty exercise. We use that with teams before. It's a fan favorite. So just an option, but yeah, really enjoyed it. And I appreciate Dave's comment too. Are you, so is, is pre-mortems gonna be something is gonna be a, uh, for you uh, as a resolution? We, I've used them. Um, I don't know if it's my, necessarily my resolution. Um, I've implemented, if I had one for myself, I would say that it's um, a defined user feedback process. I've used some in the past. Uh, I'm working on a project now to revamp one 
for an org. Um, and really, it's I look at it as a holistic uh, type of resolution for me because I'd like to bring in help desk and sales with it. It's a really a business partner collaborative. So the, it's, it's more than just the user feedback. It's it's actually the collaboration with those stakeholders who are going to be critical to that. I love that because that's bigger than yep. just you. It, it's about helping to improve everything else in there. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Steve, what is your resolution? Or did you forget it already? Well, you know, um, I, I am continuing to try and, and be healthier this year. Uh, so continuing last year's resolution. Uh, but on a professional level, I, I, um, I really want to um, get back into writing. Uh, when, when 10 years ago, I was writing a, a new article every week. And now I feel like I so often I'm start write, writing a piece and I'm like, I feel like I've written this before. Uh, so, uh, but I, I need, I need to get back into the habit of, of, of writing on Thursdays, which was always my rhythm. Yeah. No, I, 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 see, I guess you and I, I guess, Here's something to look for. A lot of writing from product growth leaders because Steve and I both have that as a resolution for us moving forward. Well, don't I hold did... me to it. I'll hold you to it. Exactly. I, I'm good with that. I wanted to share a couple other resolutions that I thought were interesting. One, Dominique Signorell said he wanted to finalize their matrix product organization, launch their new product and visit customers and help influence the common definition of product management in the industry. And I thought that was a really aspirational one. And it really was interesting to me because if you know who Dominique is, He's a head of product management, a director of product management at Otis Elevator. So his new product is probably pretty cool. <laughs> and so I want to check that one out. And Brian Weber, who I thought would be on the call today, said he wants to implement product operations in his organization, even if it's not an official titled role, over communicate until he sees everyone on the same page, be active and contribute within the product growth leaders community and never stop learning. And I sort of, I have to call him out because he's not on the call, he says his resolution is to be active and contribute with the community, and he didn't show up. So, Brian, <laughs> I, you know, a little disappointed that you're not here so we could talk about that, but yeah, it's okay. We'll get there. So let's go to our poll. Uh, we did the poll on uh, Tuesday. I'll, I'll bring it up for everybody. Uh, how can this community best help you with your 2022 product management resolutions? We had options of hold accountable for it, provide valuable dialogues to help you realize it, enable network connections that help you realize it, just having access to Steve. And I thought, Steve, that was going to like be the runaway winner. And other, it depends. And the, the runaway winner, 58% of the votes were on provide valuable dialogues to help you realize it. Uh, Marco had said, and sometimes it's just a good to vent about yet another annoying obstacle company leadership has thrown in our way, preventing us from reaching these resolutions. And May said, I was under the impression that these were the valuable dialogues. May, what did you vote for? The winner, obviously. Um, well, you and actually, me both. I, I was I was tempted to vote for um, just having Steve Johnson around, but then apparently you want to retire, so I'm not sure about that anymore. Um, <laughs> well, that makes it that much more important. Each year you have access to Steve to keep him around. Well, I want to always be involved uh, in the community. Okay. Uh, but, but for me, I, I think um, it, it's been really helpful. Every time I come into one of these conversations, um, I didn't know that I needed 
the conversation until I have it. Um, Isn't it amazing how that happens? Yeah, and it's been it's been directly useful. I think every single conversation has had a follow up conversation with someone at work, you know, with within the next week. Um, it's directly relevant somehow, uh, but you know, they might not have the context. But for me, it's like it was good that I had this conversation. You know, maybe we're not charging enough for this, Steve. Hey, Reforge charges a lot more for their subscription. Well, yeah, we don't charge anything, at least for this part of it. Yeah. So awesome. Glenn, what'd you vote for? I went for the network. The network? Yeah, I reached out to a couple of folks. I had a question about some market it, market analysis stuff and uh, just being able to contact people um, and see what they have to say has been very helpful. That's all, and, and those two can sort of be interrelated, right? Because, yeah. you know, I, I, one of our clients, Nathan Shepard, has been putting a lot of questions in the community and people like May and other people have been answering and giving him feedback. And it's sort of, it's a dialogue, but it's also the leverage in the network. Awesome. Joe, have you voted? I did vote, yeah. What did you vote for? Uh, I voted, same as Glenn, the network. The network? Yeah. So uh, I just recently moved. Um, I know this is not just Charlotte, right? But like you said, we're big in Charlotte here, right? So I just yeah, moved. They to Charlotte. love us in Charlotte. They yeah. love it. North Carolina as a whole. We got a good rally contingent too. Yeah, yeah, the triangle up there. Yeah, um, but I just moved to Charlotte three months ago, so I didn't really know anybody. Certainly didn't know nobody in product management in Charlotte. And then um, even at my organization, we've had um, you know some turnover, and so I've lost a lot of the folks I used to lean on and kind of look to as. Um, to help guide and mentor me in, in product management. So um, that's kind of what I was to trying to supplement, I guess. And that's why, you know, I met up with Jason, Brian and Rob, like I mentioned. And so when they mentioned this, I was like, oh, perfect. That, that lines up exactly what I'm looking well, for. Well, make so. sure you let Brian know that we talked about him. Oh, I will. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Steve and I were actually talking before uh, we went live about, you know, we've, we've got a couple other relationships with other companies where we're doing you know some level of community with product leader type stuff and you know you see some people out there talking about how they have a million people in their community and that type of stuff and at some point that's unmanageable right it, you know you can't get at you know build this type of dialogue and relationship if it's even you know 100 200 people right because it starts getting and so whether you're in a slack channel now our, our friend john harmer has a four or five guys in a slack channel that's perfect right but i think we're, we're looking here to make sure it's a personable thing it's not just a whole bunch of people posting on linkedin or you know thousands of people in a thing that nobody responds to each other uh but places where we can make personal connections and relationships and i'm glad to see you know may getting that and and glenn getting that through his reach out and you as well joe so i appreciate you, you know all of a sudden i'm i'm thinking of changing my vote but then i it wouldn't win so i probably am not going to. <laughs> chris but you know, hang on, before Chris goes, um, you know, I think that these large communities um, are, are more like beneficial for just having numbers. Oh, look at us, we have 10,000. We haven't seen 9,500 of them in three years, but uh, you know, oh, look, look how many people we have. Uh, and yet if, if you took one of these classes in college, uh, I learned economics 101 in like the gym, 
uh, you know, with another 300 of my friends. Uh, and that's not a relationship. So, yeah. you know, I, I feel like these these little communities that that are, are, are uh, coming along in product growth leaders uh, of 10, 12, 18 people can really get well personal instead of just broadcasting to a, a, a faceless void. Yeah, and, and I think you know what we've seen. You know, May and Glenn have been engaged with the Product Ops Alliance, and I think we've got some good conversations there. Uh, and the product leaders in transition stuff we've been doing, and then you know, topic of the week is sort of our core thing for everybody. But it's interesting to see how it ro rotates through who's participating based on their availability. Now, May is now taking Jason's. You know, Jason has gone quiet on us. I think May is now my favorite child. And you know, <laughs> the one I can count on. But it's 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 interesting because I feel like John Harmon, Rob Goldberg, anybody could jump back in here after having not been it. Not even I don't think either of those have been on one with May or Glenn, obviously not Joe or Chris, but could come in and have the same vital conversation uh, because that's sort of part of this ethos that we have. So, all right, I got now you really got me thinking about changing my vote. All right, I'm thinking. Chris, yeah, change your vote. It's a it's a P, it's a PNG. Yeah, I know. Chris, Thanks, did you Grant. vote? Went, yeah, I did vote. Uh, I went for the network um, because <laughs> what really spoke to me here, <laughs> above all in the conversation, is that because product management is pretty young, if you think about it, uh, across different industries and different roles. And because it has a lot of subjectivity in how that role is defined, you want to be with really solid, like-minded individuals that want to do it better and better each day and want to and build and learn from each other. So that's why I want to work. And actually, Chris, what you've got me now is it's going to be a win-win. I'm just going to combine the valuable dialogues in the network because they're, they're so intertwined. You can't have one without the other that I'm just going to combine the two and I win either way. So... <laughs> because winning the survey is the highlight of Grant's week. It is. It is. I'm always going to be on the winning team. Steve, did you vote? Uh, actually, I did. And I voted uh, for whatever the third option is. Enable the network connections? Yeah. Or the Steve Johnson one? Oh, I almost voted for that, except, you know, I already <laughs> talked to myself in my head. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, it... Years ago, I read a wonderful article about blogging by Jakob Nielsen, who said, you know, one of the big problems people have with blogs is they just write stuff, you know, with, with kind of aimlessly. And he said, what you should be doing is writing articles. And as I read that, I remembered that's how I started got blogging. That's how I started blogging back in 1999. People would send me an email. So people in my network, right, would send me an email and say, well, hey, Steve, what do you think about X? And the first time I get the reply, the, that email, I write this really long reply. And then a month later, I get basically the same request from a different person. And I rewrite the same, you know, basic idea, but write it again. And I found that I was like writing the same thing, article length email over and over and over. And so your articles and were really FAQs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's what's evolved over time is instead of writing article length emails, let me just write the article and post it on my blog. And 
it's these interactions that we have every week that spark those, you know, like, mm -hmm. hey, maybe it's time for me to write an article about about pre-mortems. Yeah, I, I actually like it's funny. I like the name pre-mortem. I hate the name post-mortem. I mean, post-mortem means somebody died. Right. But pre-mortem is somebody this is like pre-life, you know, so I think that that I'm OK with. Or is I don't it know what this. Uh, I was like, I didn't know how to answer to that one. It's pretty. You could write the blog, Steve, and then you could just recoin the term. There we go. Well, I, I, I don't know, like, but once a pro, like, especially when we think about it in in the in the lines of a project, right? You've mm -hmm. got um, before the project dies, what? How could it possibly die? Right. That's the purpose of a premortem. And then a postmortem is it's dead. Let's take a look at what actually killed it. Well, but so you're like a quarter in a sense. Yeah. Well, I do prefer the term retrospective. So maybe there's a term of pretrospective. Prospective. Something like that. Well, but it, when, when May was talking about, it, I started thinking before the project dies means the product is already alive and is on the brink of dying. But we really want to do it before the project starts to start doing our planning to make sure we understand pitfalls. I, and actually, Chris, I didn't talk about it back when we when you were talking about the pro, pro, pre mortem, prospective, whatever we're going to call it before. But I had shared uh, Roger Martin has his whole what would have to be true. And so when he's doing strategy stuff, he asked the, he has his the people ask the question, if this is what we want to do, you know, if it was we think it was the right thing, what would have to be true for this to not what is true, but what would have to be true? And that sort of becomes a scenario planning pre-mortem, prospective, whatever to do that. So well, I, I anyway, I derailed you on that, but uh certainly leveraging these conversations and the the engagements that we have with our customers almost always sparks a, an article. Uh, sometimes it sparks the same article that I've written before. I mean, I've had a couple of cases where the, the CMS says, dude, you can't use that title because you've already used that title. And then I go read the title and I'm like, oh yeah, this is the same article I had just written. Now I've rewritten. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, I've said this too, there's so much value in these, you know, we're up to 60 some or so 70 of these calls. And I feel like we haven't done a good enough job tapping into that. And we, you know, for a while, John Harmer was writing some blogs after participating. I think there's an opportunity. Uh, maybe that becomes part of my writing retrospective to do a better job of uh, tapping in. Because as May's point, every, every time we do one of these calls, I come away going, oh, wow. Yeah, I changed my mind. It gives me a new thought. It helps Steve write. So uh, maybe not this one. I mean, this is just talking about resolutions and stuff. Maybe we're not getting any, you know, big thinking things out of it, but maybe we will. We still got a little more time. So with that said, my first question is going to be, what are your plans to keep your product management resolutions for 2022? We've just talked about some of our resolutions, writing more, better communication, right? Good product builder skills, more better user research or, or feedback, that type of stuff. I want to get understand what you guys are planning to do. How are you gonna how, how are you gonna keep those resolutions? May. Well, for me, like my my resolution is to build a good product org. And for me, that's kind of the core reason of why I work there. So mm -hmm. 
and what motivates me is like people being happy so I don't think I'm not going to keep it um it, it's 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 more of like a, a fairly undefined direction to walk towards mm -hmm. um and meanwhile like it, it's a great learning opportunity for me to you know learn more about how everything works yeah um and find out about weird little nuances about um how we do cybersecurity, you know, never need, never needed to think about that as a um, person who's been more on the product marketing side, right? Yeah, awesome. Chris, what are you gonna yeah, do? So, yeah, so on the user research feedback topic, uh, two things, milestones, committing to those, putting them on the calendar, those always help planning ahead, um, but also prioritization. So having the users input be a part of the prioritization if it's in the backlog or maybe if it's something of a larger scale yep uh, and just requiring that not that the user would ultimately make that prioritization decision that still lives with product but just requiring some level of input from them before you can make your prioritization i i, I it's milestones and doing that type of stuff there's a thing out there called eos uh, entrepreneur or operating system and traction i don't know if anybody knows it but their whole method is around rocks and pebbles and making sure you define the rocks people are working on and then you can check on them on a regular basis and you know if you don't have those milestones so steve we're going to have to create those milestones for our writing we're going we're mm -hmm. to use some of chris's advice and we're going to do that maybe put a content schedule together so we we, we keep each other as part of it but chris thank you because that's uh, that's now into my that's my answer now i think you know we're gonna have to to to, to put it down there glenn yes sir can you hear me how, i can yes. how are okay, you gonna good. what are your plans to keep to to improve your communication to leadership and get better at finding those granular those kernels sorry kernels well i'm in the process of signing up for a leadership course um that's pretty unique in the sense that it's just not like going to tell you like how to lead people as a team, but how to be a leader awesome. and, and, you know, presence and, you know, all the, the things that you need. Um, also, I, I, I've always in my career and it never really has come to fruition to have a mentor that I could actually I, I've I've learned by bumping into walls. <laughs> oh, that hurts. I'm gonna turn and maybe that won't hurt. Well, no, that hurts too. So it's been a very the Roomba approach to yes, it's um except for the Roomba's productive. <laughs> well, because it's got AI in it that learns and yeah. And I just I feel like sometimes I'm in a very big box. Um and so seeking, you know maybe even an oligarchy of folks that I, I can, you know, rely on that I can really be like a, a soundboard as I transition from being, having spent most of my career as a very tactical product manager with uh, uh, smatterings of, uh, of leadership to be really in a position where I can uh, be seen as a leader not necessarily as a manager, but as a leader, um, because I'm going to have to take the concept of data as a product in our 
company and really hard sell it so that I don't have to fight so many battles one at, one at a time. Well, Glenn, we've known each other a long time. If there's mm. anything I can do to be part, oh wait. no, you, you're, 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 there's a check mark by your name. That's well, <laughs> two first. First time I've actually seen the term oligarchy used in a positive way. Yes. And it's not typically used. <laughs> and first time I've been considered part of an oligarchy. So I appreciate that. And, and, and more so, it's me, you know. We've known each other a long time. I'm excited to see where you're going. And, you know, with my background in data and B2B information products, hopefully I can have some two cents to, to help with that. So I'm excited to be part of that, hopefully. Uh, as yeah, we anybody forward. wants to join the oligarchy as long as you don't try to overthrow me. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how many billions of dollars you send my way. So, Joe. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think... The, the short answer is one, you know, reframing the mindset on, you know, like I said, the self-discipline, it's not so much people saying, no, you shouldn't do it that way. This is how it should be versus how I think it's more of just nobody knows. And so I can kind of either do it hundred percent or do it 80% and do it faster. So I think yeah. the, the short term is, is trying to reframe the, the cost benefit, right? Instead of what well, we can do it at 80% and, and get it done now, thinking of the long-term benefits of if we do it you know, by the book right now. Um, and then also just accountability, right? So saying, hey, this is how we're gonna do it, say it up front, and then you're kind of on the hook to do it that way. Yeah. Um, but I think where I think it gets a little complicated and this kind of bleeds into maybe May's resolution or I'm curious just other people's thoughts of, I know that when there's, some, there's an inflection point, um, especially at these digital transformation organizations where the ratio of, teaching people what product management is and, and teaching them the value of what product management is starts to outweigh like, or the ratio of doing that versus actually doing product management, building products where you're just spending all your time teaching and you're not really doing much. And so that's what I struggle with because I hit that tipping point sometimes and it, then it becomes very disengaging work because you're just kind of lecturing and teaching and not doing product management. So it's sort of like those agile for agile sakes, people who just do it by the book by the manifesto and don't actually ship stuff and get stuff done so i it, i haven't seen a ton of that in the product side but i can understand you know how where that could happen so that's a, that's a great insight and i hope hopefully we can prevent people from getting there i want to uh, chime in on that um please, so May. one of the things that because you know starting from scratch we also carry along a lot of the baggage from the previous um, ways that product management was viewed. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that we're going about doing this and rebuilding our brand as a team is like, we're doing some teaching, but we're mostly teaching through doing, right? Mm -hmm. So the way we're, we're saying is, is that we would, we would love to have a whole lot more impact on the rest of the organization, but the way we do that is by building better products, getting our team together. So we work in the right direction, we work together, we have a consistent message, we have a consistent way to deliver that message. And that by itself has done a whole lot more for us than you know calling a meeting and telling people what we are has ever done. I think the atomization of teaching, uh, you know, distributing it more into the actual time of it's it's huge. And, and you know, and, and many of the ways that Steve and I are doing with our leap methodology, it's about application and it's shifting it in, you know. 
uh, with Steve and I were talking yesterday, I'm like this sort of this life cycle I'm working on, which is like the first thing people do for training is just to get a similar, you know, standard vernacular, standard terms, speak the same language. But then it shifts into at some point getting to a standard playbook, not just language, but sort of sets tools and stuff. But then eventually you want to get to the point where through culture and tools and everything else, it can be atomized and all of a sudden it's being enabled at, at the front and people are doing it and they're guided by strategy and understanding who we are, what we do and why we do, and they can make more distributed decisions. You know, there's sort of this, I'm working on this in my head, but the way you were talking about it made me think about that, May. Steve, do you have any plans to keep your resolution? Or is, or is my milestone answer that I that I saw from Chris going to be our joint? It's probably that. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't recall. I, I thought I had read an article that said you should keep your resolutions to yourself, which is not. Wait, you should have told practice. me this before Monday. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you say, you know, I want to lose weight or I want to eat better or I want to, you know, do something, if you announce the, the conventional wisdom is you announce it to all your friends and they'll hold you accountable. And this article was saying, no, you, you don't want to do that because then you enter into all sorts of guilt when you don't achieve your whatever. Uh, but I think in the end, uh, some of the answers we've had here today made me think of OKRs. Yeah. I mean, what ultimately is our objective and what will the key results be? And so if I do want to lose that last 10 pounds, you know, I've got an objective, which is, but lose weight is not an objective. Lose 10 pounds by some time frame, And I was going to say, you know, a month, but I'm, I'm going to change that to a decade. Uh, but nonetheless, an objective that is time bound. And then then you've got, you know, key results. I mean, if if three months in, I haven't lost two pounds yet, then I guess I'm not going to make my 10 pounds in the year unless I do something different. So, so it leave, feels leave like it we to... can use uh, OKRs as a way of keeping track of our personal resolutions. Leave it to a product management thought leader to, in a discussion of resolution for the year, bring it back to OKRs. Well, I only, you know, I, I, I have a lot of good methods that work and I try to fit everything into one of those methods. <laughs> I get it. All right. We're going to go into our lightning round and we got a little time. So it's not just a, a word or a phrase, maybe a couple sentences. What is your 2022 resolution for the practice of product management? Not just yourself, but if we're looking at the practice of product management, this industry, we all seem to love. What would your resolution be for the practice of product management? What should the practice of product management do in 2022 to help it get better? Uh, and this is a big question. So, you know, I am going to start with Glenn, but I'm going to talk a little while Glenn thinks about this. Or are you ready, Glenn? I got to take a pass. I got somebody was flashing me about something. Sorry. Okay. So the question is, what is your 2022 resolution for the practice of product management? I guess I'll go to Joe. Um, I guess it's, uh, so like I said, uh, well, maybe I didn't say it. My organization, is, it's an insurance company. Um, and so I guess my resolution is to show that it can work here. Um, mm -hmm. So it's an organization, right? Where the product, the software is not the product we sell in consumers, right? Or at least not traditionally. Yeah. Um, and so that's my kind of resolution is, hey, look, we can do this here. We can compete with software 
it does work. So I'm going to rephrase that in the product management practices. Every company needs product management. Yeah. Product management can add value to any company. That's my rephrasing it for the product practice. Chris. This is a good one. I'm deep in thought on it. Um, for the practice, I would better socialize uh, what a company can do to support the practice of product management. Better socialize what a company can do to support product management. That's a great one. I, I love that one, Chris. That's a, you, you get a, a star from me on that Bring one. it back to ourselves. What can yeah. benefit us? Yeah, yeah I, I love it. Uh, all right, Glenn, I'm back to you. Um, wow. Um, I have two things. One is to get people to start using um, a, a product management tool and get mm -hmm. them used to putting their feedback in there and getting that feedback acted upon. Um, so I am doing, a, in that sense, a pure operations thing. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things. And the other one is just selling the idea that data is a product and we need to treat it and get it out there so that we can make really good decisions based upon that data. I, I completely and totally agree on the data as a product one. I, I love that. And I think that the industry needs to understand how it's also different than software as a product, right? Yep. And what you can do with it. Awesome. May. So there's a couple of questions I have about this question. And it's like, is it something that I have to do to? No, this is the about the, our industry, the practice oh, of our, in, our, our industry. I think, I think our industry as a whole should start calling out the false idols that are people who are calling themselves product managers, but who aren't. And I think we need to set that standard of, um, you know, what actually is product management and not, you know, feature management. Um, and because I, I see a lot of people talking about product management, but it's like, you're not, you're not doing anything strategic, right? You're not looking at the market priorities. Um, so I think that that's something that the industry as a whole could probably use um, just so it helps us hire better. <laughs> it's easier uh, to hire I mean, once we do that. You're, you're preaching to the choir with Stephen yeah. on, us on that one. And I think you talked too long and said too many things because I yeah, know I have to change what I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, Steve. Well, I'm going to take up uh, the, the uh, objective that May just threw down, and I want to focus in 2022 on uh, evangelizing the strategic role of product management rather than on, feature management. Is that yours? Come on, yeah. So, hey, good. Both of us have this objective. So let me change mine so you can say mine no, again no, you later. Can say, no, you can I'm going to look for more speaking opportunities in other communities like the Product Management Association or the Product Camp in Charlotte, which looks like they're going to have some virtual meetings this year. Uh, like, well, it doesn't seem like we need to, to convince them. <laughs> probably not. Uh, but nonetheless, looking for opportunities, more opportunities this year to speak about the role of product management. So we need to, uh, as an industry, or it, it, you know, and you know, uh, carrying the same flag with May and with you, right? The strategic role of product management. Part of that is 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 going out and evangelizing more about it, 
and, and writing more about it and, and that type of stuff. So I, I, I love that. You know, it is, you know, the strategic role of product management is, is my big thing. I, I think that we need to shift the focus from doing things right, which I think where most of product management focus has been for the past decade or so, right? Agile process, you know, we, as Steve's client had said, we're getting really good at building products. We're just building the wrong products. So I'll take a subset of that strategic role is I call it the product leadership imperative because Warren Bennis said, uh, management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. And in reality, we need to do the right things and do them right. But we have the one side that seems to be working. We really need to focus on the importance of doing the right things. Uh, I saw somebody say 50% of product management's things fail anyway. So, you know, as a good thing and be willing to be willing to fail. And yes, I understand failure is good, but my kid doesn't graduate high school or college with 50% failure. Uh, you know, why should we resolve? I think we can improve that. I, I agree that that failure is good and you learn from it. But I think as a whole, the product in management industry needs to say, you know what, we should do a better job at the strategic role of product management in finding and picking the right things to put our bets on and be iterative in how we roll it out so we can learn and kill things quick and not waste a million dollars in six months and, and do that. So that was a long answer for that. That was no longer lightning. That was definitely thunder. But I, I, I I was not sure what to expect from this conversation because when you're talking about resolutions, I actually got some really good insight out of this. Going to be doing some milestones. Steve and I may be doing some OKRs for our uh, for our, our 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 plans for the year for for our resolutions. I, I want to thank everybody for participating in this. Glenn Pride, Joe, May, Chris, who had to leave, my partner Steve Johnson. Thank you so much. And we do this every week. In the community Monday, the question goes in. Wednesday, we do the poll. On Friday, we have these wonderful calls. So we'll see you next week in the community. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. So long. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.